Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast, giving you the inside scoop of life in our church. Uh, We made a commitment this fall to hear from some next-gen voices on occasion, and we've got a great one today. So I want to welcome here Megan Smiley. Megan, say hi to everybody. Hello. I want to hear a little bit about your story, but before we do, just give us a bit of background to your personal life, you know, how old you are, where you come from, that kind of stuff. Okay, so I'm 25. Uh, I grew up in Trenton, so it's about two hours east of Toronto um, with my family there, so my parents, my two sisters, and my brother. And then I came to St. Catharines in 2012 to go to school at Brock um, for tourism and environment, which is very random, but I loved it. Um, and then I moved back to Trenton after I graduated, wanted to pursue policing. That didn't work out. Came back to St. Catharines and now I'm taking psychology at Brock. Now you're taking psychology at Brock. Yes. And for the last little while, uh, you not only ended up at Southridge, but have actually been serving on our staff yes. uh, in the shelter. So talk about that story too. How did that happen? So I started as a volunteer in my second year in the kitchen. How um, did you hear about Southridge first of all? I started coming a bit and then did just wanted to serve in St. Catharines. So okay. ran a Google search and okay. found the shelter and was like, this is perfect. Wow. Um, so started volunteering in the kitchen and then just got to know like staff members at the time and then got hired out of that. Okay. So awesome. you became chummy with some of the staff I mean. members. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. You Google searched us. Yes. That's not, that's not, everybody's, right up. <laughs> uh, that's not everybody's story. That's cool. Um, I mean, before we get into it, tell us a little bit about what life at the shelter is like these days. How's your job? How What do you, what do, you do? It's great. So I'm on the floor. Um, I'm only there a few times a week right now because I'm in school, but every day is different and every day is great. Yeah, and... It's what we call a resident service support. Yes. 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 So um, we've got a bunch of part-timers that serve on the floor and describe a, a, a regular garden variety shift. It's very, (laughs) very busy. Yeah. Every day is different. You don't know what it's going to bring. But it's a lot of just connecting with people and trying to make them feel at home in a place that isn't their home. So it's creating this home loving environment for for residents that are in and out. Yeah. Want to get into a little bit of your faith journey. Uh, so just describe for us the, your background and, and kind of, uh, even your, your spiritual life growing up and just to orient us to, to where things have come from in your life. Yeah. So we grew up, um, going to an Anglican church. It was very much so just like a Sunday event. Um, I didn't really do anything during the week. Um, so I always call myself like a wishy-washy, wishy-washy Christian for that time of my life. Um, and then coming to Brock, I... Like explored a few churches, landed at Southridge. Um, it was pretty rocky for the last like year or like two years ago. It would have been started, um, but now it's just like it's very strong, and I feel so on fire for God right now. Okay, and we want to kind of focus in on some of this this journey. So when you when you started at Southridge or even started at the shelter, it seemed like your your faith was in a good place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so describe what life and faith was like then I thought I thought it was good um now in hindsight I was like again only doing the Sunday thing and I didn't have any like relationship with God which like to me that seemed normal at the time because that's just kind of how I grew up um so I thought it was really strong and good uh and then just kind of this wall hit and I didn't really know what was happening with my faith anymore interesting for those of us listening Again, we say so often that uh, a life of faith is 
more than just an event you go to for an hour a week. Mm -hmm. But isn't it amazing how strongly that mentality of I'm a faith person, therefore I'm a church goer. Yeah. uh, How strongly that that mental model or that paradigm of faith is. Yeah. Of faith is this hour a week and I feel good when I do it, but that's really about it. Um, I mean, I feel like we're going to battle that for as long as we're alive in this yeah. era that we find ourselves. That that mindset is is so strong. So, you know, here you are, you're, you're in university, you're plugging in at Southridge and you're kind of living out that version of faith that's yeah. more hour a week attend an event yeah. and feeling good about things uh but you found yourself all of a sudden feeling differently than you had before can you walk us a little more slowly into that era what was going on yeah so it had been about this time last year i first noticed it at the young adults retreat of last year um, so you went to the young adults retreat last yes, year yes i okay. did And it was just this experience of feeling so empty all of a sudden. I think it was like just a series of life circumstances and things I was doing that all of a sudden it was like this wall that I hit and I didn't, I didn't know what to feel anymore. And then I just felt nothing. And that's like a really scary place to be, especially like wanting to do well at work and do well in school and just all of a sudden feel like you have no passion for anything. Was there anything like circumstantially like contributing to that you're struggling in a course or um yeah I think it was like a few different things I think I was pretty feeling burnt out at work and then in a really not good relationship that was like on the fritz of ending so it was a lot of just like different stressors contributing I think okay so there are actual things going on yeah. that were that were probably contextualizing some of this but you would describe the feeling so you're at this retreat and you're describing this feeling just as empty yeah and like I knew that I should be feeling happy that was the weird part I was like I should be enjoying this experience but I wasn't and I was just like sad and empty okay so what would you say uh you know could you describe that or describe some of the warning signs for those of us who are listening that if we paid attention to our spirit might be in one of those kind of places as well what would we look for um I think just lack of interest in things that you would normally want to do um and just like feeling feeling like this weight is on you for okay. no no real reason like feeling guilty and shameful for for no real reason huh. okay so you're feeling all these things yeah not just empty your mind feeling shame no yeah I'm feeling, guilt. <laughs> I'm feeling all these uh negative emotions even though in my mind i i know that i shouldn't mm-hmm. and i know that circumstantially circumstantially i'm even in an environment at this retreat where i shouldn't yeah but i am and that's awkward yes <laughs> if not like super painful yeah um, did you, at the time, were you able to pinpoint like why you were feeling those things or you were just able to, to sense at this retreat that you were feeling them? I was just able to sense it. Okay. I didn't know why. I didn't really know what was happening and I didn't want to talk about it to anyone. Okay. So I had no one to process. I mean, I had people to process it with through, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't want to because... Okay. I've always been like this very happy, positive person, yeah. right? So, so where did those, where did those feelings go? Where, where did you like? You come home from the retreat, you're feeling crappy, 
And what happens next? How, they, are, how are you navigating that? They stayed there. Um, so when I was by myself, I was a mess all the time. Um, and then when I would have to, <coughs> excuse me, go out to like work or school or anything, I would put on my my mask that everything was fine yeah. and saying I'm fine was just like the second nature to me all of a sudden. So this feeling, the emptiness and the shame and and guilt and things, all these all these negative feelings. Um, they're not going away. No. First of all, you start feeling them at this retreat where you feel like I, I should feel happy. They're not going away. You don't know what to do with them. Uh, and right now you're just kind of sucking it up, faking it till you make it. Yeah. Sort of a thing. Yeah. And how long did that last? How long were you able to keep doing that? Um, until probably November. So it would been the end of September to November. Hmm. Um, then my mom called me out on it, and then that was a whole other process mm. of just working through that. And then it wasn't until January where I had, like, my breakthrough moment. Okay, so walk us through then in November. You're, is this a phone call with your mom, or yeah. you're at home for Thanksgiving? Or uh, Phone call. So phone call. Your mom can sense it in your voice. Yeah. Speaks <laughs> into it. You melt down. Yeah. <laughs> um, then what? What happens in November and December? Um, it was a big process of figuring out what to do. So like going to doctor's appointments, connecting with like people at work, um, my friends just kind of talking about it. Cause once you say it out loud, it's becomes real and now you have to kind of deal with it. Hmm. So yeah, just, I think it was a very community effort to get me back to this moment. Hmm. Which I, I, I don't want to lose this point. That's why I wanted to press in it. Um, for those of us listening to realize that when we find ourselves in a funk spiritually or maybe worse, uh, your your primary inclination is to not talk about it yeah. and to hide it. The antidote is to throw everything possible at it. Yeah. Right. And I love the way that you're, you're talking about not only was I talking to as many people as I could in my circle about it, but I was trying medical options mm -hmm. and, and, you know, drawing at other straws because a lot of times there's more of a comprehensive uh, kind of attack yeah. to get you out of these kinds of things. It's not this is not a simple untangle when you're feeling these strong, deep things, but have no idea why and no idea how to feel differently. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're basically in November and now December, I guess, through Christmas, you're, you're having these conversations and going to doctor's appointments and things. Mm -hmm. What else is happening there uh, for you to try to address what now is becoming aware as something you're trying to get out of? Um, I think, again, just really leaning into my friends and my life group. Um, they were a big contributor. A, random people came into my life at that time that really helped me out through it. You know, I think that was very much a God thing, mm -hmm. just sending people who were just like this light in my life and now they're in and out. Yeah. And that was very helpful. Um, and then really trying to lean into my faith, even though I was having a lot of questions about it. What did that look like? What, do, what does it mean when you're in a funk or worse not sure how to get out of it, but but trying to make the choice to lean into your faith. Obviously, it means showing up to life group and still mm -hmm. being vulnerable and still you know, sharing where you're at with, with people who are surrounding you. Well, what else did that look like for you? It was a lot of prayer, um, a lot of prayer meditations. Remember the one I did was during the snow day last year. That was probably the biggest, the biggest one I ever did. 
Um, but yeah, it was a lot of just trying to spend time with God, even though at that point I was like, I don't know what, what this looks like for me anymore. I don't know what my faith is. Did you, did you believe that if you engaged in these practices, cause we talk about that a lot, yeah. engaging in spiritual practices to access the life and power of God. Did you, did you believe even in that negative dark place that God was there, that he was real, that he loved you and that he'd show up if you, yeah. if you, so you still believed at some root level that if I dig in here, God's going to show up in some way. Yeah. Some, sometime. Yeah. If I give everything I have and I just sit there and I'm like, this is it. This is all I have now. Okay. So let's fast forward then to in January, you describe that you had this moment of breakthrough. Mm-hmm. First of all, what was, what was, what were you doing at the time? What happened? I was doing the prayer meditation. It was just like the be still and no one. So I was just sitting on my bed, just like crying out to God because that was kind of my last straw. I was like, something has to change right now. Um, so I was sitting there and then all of a sudden. So this be, to describe the exercise, this be still and no. <laughs> that was it. It was just like meditating on those words slowly. And then it was just be still. And just saying that and then the music playing and you're just, you're fully in this state. So you're creating a bit of an experience where you can just meditate on that phrase yeah. from that psalm. Be still and know that I'm God. And you're investing, you know, minutes into this music playing, like you said, and what, what happens? Um, all of a sudden I was just overcome with Psalm 121 that just like came into my head and I didn't know what it was. So I was like, that's weird. So I wrote it down, went to go look it up and was just amazed at what it said. What did it say? Um, where does my help come from? I look to the mountains. My help comes from the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And that just like shook me to my core. Wow. So. Wow. So you would have felt like at some level you had this impression just of Psalm 121, mm-hmm. didn't know what it said, went there and felt like God was saying that specifically to you. Yeah. In doing that or getting that sense then, um, what impact did that have on you? What what did, you know, you turn to Psalm 21, you open it up, it says this, you feel like God's speaking to you. What, what happens? What, what what did that mean then? Yeah, it was massive because I was, I was questioning a lot about my faith. So that was just really reassuring that what I believed was true and real. And then I could start to lean into that more and like trust in God and know that God was like fighting for me that whole time mm-hmm. when like I didn't want to fight for myself. So are you still, I'm assuming you're still in quite a dark place at this point, yeah. but the, the breakthrough of the trigger was realizing that in this dark place, God is still with me and he's not just with me, he's fighting for me. Yeah. From there then, how does that knowledge, how does like being anchored in that for sure, for sure now, uh, change things or, or, or improve things for you. I think just trusting in God and his plan, because I am very much a planner and I like to be in control and know what's going on. Um, so just to be able to trust that his plan is going to be greater than whatever I could come up with was very life changing. Mm. And like looking back and seeing kind of his hand in all of the occurrences and how they all led me to this place was really really cool can you describe for us then after this uh meditation experience where you have this kind of breakthrough moment of knowing god is like with me with mm-hmm. me for real um <laughs> what is happening then coming out of january to get out of that dark place 
like the next day were you all of a sudden out of it yeah, or no. <laughs> no so what what else was happening from that point it was being very intentional with my relationship with god very intentional with the people in my life um I think that was where that peace was missing for most of my life, where I had a relationship with God, where I would like sit and pray, or I'd read my Bible, or I would just try to live my life in a way that was more representation of Jesus. Yeah. I appreciate, and I hope that the the listeners are picking up on this, just how even in those dark moments, you were still faithful and super deliberate. And I know you were kind of, it was like your only hope at that yeah. point, but... <laughs> Like super deliberate to still engage in the kinds of things that create space for God to show up. Yeah. The community, the spiritual practices, those kinds of things to give God that chance to show up. Because sometimes we pack all that in, throw our hands up mm -hmm. and say, God, I'm done with it. You've got to show up in a different way. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's harder to give God that chance to show up. Uh you know, versus being deliberate and faithful even when we kind of don't want to be or don't even believe that. Maybe he'll show up, which is which is super uh, super impressive to me in this in this situation. So um, you're continuing on. You know, you've had this kind of breakthrough encouragement moment. You're continuing to be vigilant in your relationships, uh, disciplined in your spiritual practices. What is happening now over the course of those months? How are things changing? It was a lot of opportunities. I think that were coming forward. I went to like a few retreats. Just like I think God was surrounding me with people to encourage me at that time. And um, just a lot of things that I never would have done on my own. Just like saying yes to different things and being involved. Like what, what would you have said yes to that you wouldn't have said yes to typically? Like going to retreat by myself where I didn't know anyone. Okay. So that was very scary because I've always been very introverted and shy. Um, what else have I done? Now I can't remember. Um, like doing things like this podcast, I never okay. would have done. Speaking at the young adults retreat, yeah, just yeah. like opportunities that are very different than what I thought they would have been. And in these, did you find that you were consciously changing your default to say yes to things that you would normally say no to? Yeah, because so that moment with the Psalm twenty, Psalm one twenty one experience motivated you then to say yes to things that normally you would have said no yeah. to. Yeah, okay. because I feel like they were coming into my life for a reason. Okay. So now you're processing these things differently, thinking, yeah. okay, now that I know that God is with me for sure, for sure, I'm processing these things as maybe God wants me to give these a shot. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to say yes. And now the saying yes is cascading into now more positive impact in these experiences that I otherwise would have said no to. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. And so through the course of what would it have been the winter, the spring, the, how did God kind of grow you out of that funk and dark place? Um, so in April I was baptized. I think that was kind of my, my big moment where I was like, I feel good again. Okay. So it was kind of the spring where I was just working up to that moment of wanting to like renew my faith. And in the baptism experience, just to press into that a little bit, was that something that triggered in you because the church was advertising it or people were tapping you on the shoulder? Or was it something that, again, just in the quietness of your own heart, you felt like, hey, I've got to take this step for me right now and I'm initiating this? How did that happen? Yeah. So it was, I initiated it. I had thought about it for a little bit and then um, finally just pulled Chris aside one day and asked him about okay. it. And 
Yeah. Okay, so you move that forward rather than that was already moving forward and you just kind of got with yeah. a, a particular baptism because sometimes that happens yeah. that way as well. Okay. So this is in now April. Yes. So April baptism. And what are you feeling at this point in your life and in your faith? Overwhelmed, I think. I think it was closing a chapter that was very hard and like opening the next season of my life, which was just a life with God. So it was very emotional afterwards, um, just feeling like I had gotten through probably the hardest season of my life. And now it was very promising looking forward. Um, a lot of this now you since then have kind of packaged. And like you said, you are now speaking at the Young Adults yeah. Retreat <laughs> this year. Uh, we had an, a number of young adults who were, who were part of the retreat that uh, gave talks and you gave a, a talk that shared some of this. And... A lot of this, it sounds like you've now encapsulated under the theme of God's mercy. Mm -hmm. As you're going through this last year, Megan, what was it about the awareness or the awakening of God's mercy particularly that struck you? It was that I was so overcome with like shame and guilt and feeling like I was so sinful and then having that experience of feeling like God totally loves me and totally forgives me. And just like his mercy for me is something that I could never earn. It's just given. Mm -hmm. And that was very um, life-changing, I guess. Yeah. Like, Yeah. So particularly in that Psalm 121 moment, you're feeling dark and discouraged about yourself mm -hmm. and have a certain belief or view of how God sees you. Yeah. And the Psalm 121 moment was, no, no, God sees me differently. Yeah. And that for you, that's how mercy, that's what mercy meant. Mercy wasn't just that God is merciful. You could have probably known that yeah. in theory. It was that God sees me fundamentally differently than I see myself or I see God seeing me. Yeah. That that was the shift for you. Um, can you describe for you, like, why did that matter so much in that, in that season? I think because I had been feeling pretty like, worthless. So to feel worthy and loved, like that changes your life and that changes how you go about your life and your relationships. Like mm -hmm. how I wanted to treat other people was different now because I felt like worthy, I guess. And and just to, to press in on this a bit, I mean, we're going to have lots of listeners across all of our locations that have felt lousy about themselves or worse, have felt in places or maybe even right now feel like they're in a worthless place, mm -hmm. even though they know that mercy is an attribute of God. Yeah. So talk that person through how you get in your head and heart to really feel or know that you know that this God who is associated with mercy in theory sees you differently. Yeah. I think the thing that comes to my mind is the I am who you say I am lyric and just reminding yourself that God says you are worthy and loved and forgiven and all of these amazing things. And then just to just repeat that to yourself and to, because it's hard to believe that it's hard to feel that. Um, but then just allowing yourself to feel forgiven, I think is a hard one too. to know that you're forgiven of whatever sin or anything and that you're loved 
just like letting that feeling happen. Yeah, to let that feeling soak in. And is there anything, I mean, obviously you were engaged in some pretty disciplined spiritual practices. Is there is there anything that you could encourage our people to practically do other than just saying, let that sink in? Yeah. That's like a parent's comment, yeah. right? <laughs> let that sink in. Well, it doesn't. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, any encouragement to actually help someone finally or maybe for the first time let that sink in who's struggling to experience that in their heart i think there's a few things so one is prayer and then just being still and quiet and like listening to god and then engaging in community and having people who are around you that lift you up and like make you feel worthy because like they're kind of being merciful to you because God has been merciful to them, if that makes sense. So they're loving you in a way because Jesus loves them. Yeah. So it's just believing when people say that like you're loved. And both of those are huge. I mean, we've got to, uh, to press into both of them. Like the, the, what impresses me about your story, again, I've said this already, but the, the discipline of the spiritual practices that we believe when you engage in these time tested behaviors to access God's life and presence mm -hmm. eventually like he shows up yeah. with his life and presence in a way you know the Bible talks about a peace that transcends all understanding and these kinds of way it, when you make that space for God God does show up yeah he does show up so to be encouraged gang if you're if you're listening to this to to be vigilant in making those spaces for God the other side of it is the community side and there there is something about i know that i've experienced this personally in those places but also been that person for others who've been in that place as well where to have people who believe in you more than you believe yeah. in you right yeah. who see value in you more than you see value in you you know those kinds of there there is something about the jesus with skin on mm -hmm. of other people that matters and so yeah i appreciate that encouragement to to practically engage in the prayer reflection meditation anchoring in scripture and repeating again and again yeah. and again and like say it until you <laughs> say it until you you actually can mean it and and yeah. until it can sink in your heart and the the access of community that's 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 massive um anything else that you would encourage practically for people who are finding themselves in a spiritual funk or in a dark place to be able to get out of that in a way that accesses god's mercy i think allowing people to help you um which is always very hard especially when you're in that place you don't want to be around people you don't want people's help but just allowing them to like bless you with their spirit and to help you out of that hmm. to realize that it's less about where you're at and more that more about what they can bring mm -hmm. i like that comment to to let them bless you with their spirit yeah uh to 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 see the value they have and to receive that instead of focusing on the value you feel you don't have yes exactly okay Okay. Well, that's great. Um, e even beyond that, uh, you know, one thing that we're looking for in these podcasts are these next gen voices to, to, to speak kind of to our church as a whole, Megan, what, what can our church do from your perspective, either to do differently or better or more of 
so that more people can encounter and experience the fullness of God's mercy in these kinds of ways. Yeah, I think, one, again, the community, connecting with your community, and then allowing yourself to love people you wouldn't normally love, like inviting people to your table. I think that's a big part of God's mercy, because if you feel it so deeply, then you can extend it out to the other people around you. So just like loving people who have maybe done done you wrong or who you don't like, and then living out mercy and then experiencing God's mercy in that same way. Yeah, yeah. The embracing of diversity even yeah. uh, is an important ingredient in that to, like you said, have different people than you around your table. Yeah. Right? First of all, have different people around your table <laughs> and then experience through that diversity all of the ways that God can speak to you and through you mm -hmm. to, to others in that way. Uh, any, any other things that you're thinking about, especially when you consider your, your role, uh, as an RSS in the shelter, obviously you're a dispenser of God's mercy these days, um, to see God's mercy flood through our community to a greater degree. How, what are, what are some other things that we could do to just raise that kingdom tide of experiencing God's mercy together? I think it all comes down to just loving, loving one another um, and yeah, treating each other like as you would want to be treated and leaning into your community, leaning into your life group um, and then just talking about the things that are going on in your life, which can be very challenging. But being in a community that you can you can do that and we can all be ourselves openly. Uh, any final thoughts or encouragements, questions I haven't asked that you want to say? You've got people <laughs> listening from all of our locations. And as a next-gen voice, you've got a free shot to just bless and encourage oh, us. Oh, boy. <laughs> Anything that comes to mind? Um, yeah, I just think live your authentic self and find your voice and use it. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, really appreciate, obviously, the role that you play on our staff team. Uh, we're going to a staff meeting right after yes. recording this, so that's going to be fun. But uh, more than that, I appreciate you being willing to just share your story, the good, bad, and ugly, and the way that God spoke and worked through it so that we can encourage others who are in those kinds of places yeah. as well. Uh, I honor you for the, the discipline and the vigilance that you showed in your faith to keep giving God a chance when you had every reason not to. And uh, I'm just thrilled that you can testify today that in remaining faithful in those times, you found God faithful too. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. So hope everyone's been encouraged by that. Uh, appreciate you listening in and we'll see you next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everyone.